0: Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media, at my Sanctuary LA, and enjoy the message. Um, so we're talking about soul music, and what I want to focus on this morning is um, the pursuit Um, The title today, I have a title at least, it's Soul Music, The Pursuit, Um, and um, I want you to open up to 1 Samuel 13, 1 Samuel 13 verse 14, that's going to be our scripture for the day, but there are going to be a few others that I'm going to reference, I won't necessarily read all of them, but I will reference them today. Um, But let me pray and then we'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you that we're here, that we're alive, um, that we are in good health, that we're able to come into your house and glorify you. And Lord, I just pray that as um, this word is given today, I pray that it's bathed in the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that people's lives are touched, that people's Um, lives are changed. I pray, Spirit of God, that you do what you do and that you use me to do what you do. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This mic seems a little hot. it a little hot, hot meaning loud. Feels like it, but maybe not. Um, So last week, my husband talked about the soul and how the soul is made up of um, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And we are in a body, and our body is comprised of our soul and our spirit. So, our soul and our spirit are here, and our body is like the, the case that carries our, our um, spirit and soul. I like to say that our body is an expression of the spirit and soul. So, whatever's going on in your spirit, whatever's going on in your soul, is going to be expressed in your body, whether it's um, in your thoughts in your, in your um, behaviors, um, in the things that you say. Um, our, our body is an expression of the soul and the spirit. So if something in your soul is unhealthy, it will play out in your body in some way, shape, or form. It means that your mind um, might be a little out of whack. It might mean that your emotions are kind of out there crazy. And your will, your intentions, um, sometimes can be skewed but if your spirit is healthy, then your mind will be clear because we have the mind of Christ. If your spirit is healthy, your emotions will take their rightful place, which is subject to your spirit. And if your will, your intentions, um, if your spirit is healthy, your will and your intentions will be pure and come from a place of humility. And um, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we're talking about soul music, music of the soul. And I just wanted to give you a quick music lesson. Have, has anyone in here ever um, played music? Does anyone in here know how to read music? If you know how to read music, just raise your hand for a sec. Okay, all right. So, I won't go too deep then, because <laughs> I'll try and keep it basic. So... It's a basic music lesson. In music, you have major chords and you have minor chords. Major chords sound pretty. They're the ones that when you hear it, you're like, oh, that sounds nice. Like It's those in in romantic comedies where they get together in the end and the music's playing and it all sounds nice. It just sounds pretty. Minor chords um, are dissonant which means that they're hard on the ears, they clash. So like if there's a murder scene in a movie, you might hear minor chords playing in the background because it's a, it's a bad thing that's happening. So the music matches the actual action that's happening in the movie. Make sense? Major chords good, minor chords bad. But a combination of major and minor chords in a musical piece, it actually makes something really beautiful. So we're talking about soul music. So imagine your life as a piece of music. So for people who are not musicians, this might be a little challenging. But on every, for everything, there's pieces of music, sheets of music. And on the sheets of music, you have notes. And notes com- make up chords where you get your major and your minor chords. So imagine your life as a musical piece and your soul and spirit bringing a mixture of major and minor chords to your life. So... Your spirit is new when you become a Christian. Your spirit is automatically new, and your soul is going through a renewal process. So there's a combination of coming out of your spirit, there's something beautiful because it's all new. It's completely new. But your soul is still trying to work some things out. Your soul is still in this renewal process. That's Romans 12, 2, right? We're not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And our mind is part of our soul nature. Soul is mind, will, and emotions. So your soul is still trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I do this new spirit thing? Like, my spirit's new, but I don't really know how I'm supposed to act. Like, my spirit is new, but I don't know how I'm supposed to communicate properly with people. I'm just so used to saying it like it is, not caring what anybody else thinks, that now my spirit is telling me, no, you have to exercise self-control. But your soul nature is like, no, they need the truth. Let the truth come out so the truth can make them free. But no, God is saying, be kind. (laughs) Kindness, gentleness, these are fruit of the spirit. There's a constant war there between your spirit and your soul. And when your spirit, when the expressions of your spirit and soul are not quite aligned, every so often, your soul music, the things that come out of you, sound a little off. Sound a little, you have a sideways day when you know that your spirit is not taking its rightful place in your life. Um, You have an off day where you might say things that you regret you might do things that you regret um but that's not your state of being it's a process we're walking through a process and when the issues and the things of your soul are filtered through your new spirit now when your soul because your mind your will and emotion god gave you a mind gave you a will and he gave you emotions so these aren't bad things these are just things that need to be subject to your spirit which is completely new when you become a Christian so when you're living your life and the expression of your soul is not lining up it's not something beautiful that's going to come out of you all the time but when you're when you build your spirit when your spirit man continues to be built up your soul will conform it has to Because when your spirit man is strong, your spirit in conflict with your soul will start telling your soul, no, this isn't right. Your spirit man will start to jump up and and be that conscience for you and say, no, 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 don't say that. Like the other day, my husband and I, I'm sure sometimes... We have someone who lives in the house with us. She rents a room. I'm sure sometimes she hears us, and she's like, oh, Lord Jesus, what's going on up there? Just this week, we had a little altercation. He likes to call it um, robust dialogue. And um, in the middle of it, anybody who's been in any type of relationship, because it's not just husband and wives, it's everybody. You can, you can have altercations with anybody. Um, there were so many things I wanted to say. So many things, just so many things. Because any, all of you know my husband. You know he's very expressive. So he feels like, and it's okay, he'll listen to this and he'll agree with me. He feels like um, that, well, if it's said, then it's good. It means that everything's on the table and we're all on the same page. And I'm like, you are on this page by yourself, hun. Nobody is reading along with you on this one. Let's slow it down a little. And a lot of times in our differences of opinion... I am the one who will say, um, I'm not going to say what I really want to say right now because I am going to be subject to the Spirit of God like you are not right now, (laughs) Pastor Sean. Um, And we get into it. And even for him, um, I know there are things that I'll say, and he's like, I love you. You're my wife. I will love you. I will die for you. But right now, I don't like you. (laughs) And that's okay. But even in those moments, your soul, what wants to come out of you, the the emotional side of you, the mind in you that's thinking and saying, this is what you need to say. This is how you need to do it. Your spirit, if your spirit man is strong, what will happen is in the middle of of you about about to say something, your spirit will be like... Shut it down, and you're like, "No, I don't want to." And you're having this conversation in your mind before anything is coming out. You're like, "I want to say this." You're waiting for them to stop talking so you can say what you want to say. But there's this war going on in your spirit. There's this war going on in in your in your spirit, and your spirit is like, "No, I'm going to triumph here," and your soul is saying, "No." I'm going to be real here. And your spirit is like, I am more real than you will ever need. And I am the truth of what you need. So you need to subject it to the spirit of God. Galatians 5, it talks about how when we walk according to the spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And this is why your spirit has to be strong. So when those moments of conflict come and the war, internal war comes, your spirit prevails. And the music that comes out of it, listen, think about the fruit that comes out of a disagreement where you chose to submit to your spirit. It does not have the same outcome as when you lose all self-control and say whatever you want. There's a different fruit that comes from it, and it's because your soul was subject to the, to the Spirit of God in that moment. And you want the things that come out of you, the music that comes out of your spirit, the expression that comes out of your soul and spirit, to be honoring and glorifying to God in, in all circumstances, not just when it's easy, but when it's hard as well, because that is actually the true test of what's going on inside of you. When it's hard, are you still the same person you are? When it's easy, what is coming out of you? What is being squeezed out of you in those moments that are challenging? And I'm speaking from a marital relationship, but this can be anything. This can be your job. It can be a family member, a sibling. It can be your kids. Like, it can be all kinds of things. Because kids aren't necessarily even going to respond the way, of course they're not going to respond the way an adult would respond. So sometimes you can get away with saying things to your kids that you would probably never say to anyone else. And then you think about it after you're like, I am such a bad parent. (laughs) Why did that come out of me? But kids have, they are the best at pulling the best and the worst out of you. Like, it's just, I think it's their gift. I think God gives us children to really like test you and really be like, I'm the Lord of your life, really? Well, here we go. Here are these kids love them unconditionally no matter what they do love them it's like a true test of a father a parent's love for their child is a picture of God's love for us how unconditional are you going to love your children any parents can I have any parents in here who can say amen yes 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 you all get it makes sense right your children will test you but anyway um, when you build on your spirit your soul will conform and as a result your life becomes a beautiful beautiful musical piece um have any of you heard of Hans Zimmer? Yeah, Hans Zimmer. He's a composer, a film composer. And um, I love his music. Like, I don't even... I may not even know what's going on in the movie, but I'll hear the score, and I'm like, that has to be Hans Zimmer. It's such a beautiful sound that comes out of his, out of his movies, and he's done movies like Gladiator, Lion King, Inception, Pirates of the Caribbean, like, so, like his, remember the Titans, like so many of his um, movies you would know and you wouldn't necessarily pay attention to the music, but it's a music that tells a story as well. Your soul music tells a story. It tells us where you are. It tells you where you are. What is coming out of you when you're squeezed? Like ketchup. What's coming out of your jar when you're squeezed? Is it the challenges of your soul or is it the victory of your spirit? What's coming out of you? How do you start making beautiful soul music? How do you continue to make beautiful soul music? And The answer to that is staying in pursuit of God. So really, this is about the pursuit. So 1 Samuel 13, 14 in the Amplified. I'm going to read from the Amplified. Um, It says, but now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man, David, after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as leader and ruler over his people, because you have not kept or obeyed what the Lord commanded you. preface. So what happened before this was Saul, God told Saul to go and kill everybody. Like they were in, in battle. So he's not saying go and kill everybody, but they were actually in a war. And God said, kill everything and everyone from this nation. I want to demolish them so they can never come back and fight you again. And Saul goes and he doesn't do what God tells him to do. He basically saves the king from this country and saves all of the best things from this country. So he doesn't utterly destroy everything like God asked him to. So God talks to, Saul, talks to Samuel. Samuel is the prophet of the day. And God says, go to Saul. I gave him a word and he didn't obey me. And as a result, I'm going to take the kingdom from him. He is no longer king over Israel. So this is... This is where we are now. This is Samuel talking to Saul, saying, Saul, you are no longer king. God found a, God, found a man after his own heart that he is going to make king over his people. And um, no. And um, this is a twofold meeting. So I'm sure we've heard, if you've been in church for any length of time, that... Um, David being a man after God's own heart, he literally fashioned his life after God. That's pretty much how I've always heard it preached, that he's fashioned his life after God. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. And the other day I was listening to a preacher and, you know, I was just going around the house, just had some preaching playing and he he referenced this scripture and suddenly in my spirit, um, for me it was revelation, might not be for you, but for me it was revelation and... The other meaning to this is that he pursued the heart of God. So David was a man after the heart of God, in pursuit of the heart of God. Not just that he had the heart of God, but that he was in pursuit. He was a man after the heart of God. And in his pursuit of the heart of God, he had continued revelation of who God is. Have you ever wondered why David, um, he had so many ups and downs, in his life like David someone was trying to kill him he was anointed king at like 15 and he didn't become king until he was 30 (laughs) so like for 15 years Saul was trying to actually kill him like literally pursuing him to kill him that was he was chasing him down trying to kill him so he could not take over his throne He then becomes king and then gets distracted, and we all know the story of David and Bathsheba and what happens in that situation. Poor David, not doing what he was supposed to do, got caught up in a moment, and there we go. That's that story. Um, And even then his son later, his son Absalom, he rose up and tried to take the throne from David. This is his own son who's plotting behind his back to take his throne. And you th- look at the life of David, and this is the man that God said is a man after his own heart. This is, this is the man where he made some mistakes, but God is saying this is a man after my own heart. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, why, why is it that David, even if you read the Psalms and the Psalms that he wrote, there are so many low moments in his life, so many low moments, and in those low moments, He still, by the end of the chapter in Psalms, he's like, I glorify you, God. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for being a good God. Have you ever wondered why it was so easy for David to do that? And I really believe it's because he had continued revelation of the heart of God. He tapped into something that all of us are living now. He tapped into the grace of God. He tapped into the realness of who God was. We talk about um, we're saved by grace through faith, but he actually knew that I am only saved because of the grace of God. He would, like after David and Bathsheba, after after, um, she got pregnant and God sent the prophet and the prophet was like, David. And David said, I'm so sorry, God. He literally fell on his face before the Lord. And it's like, I am so sorry. Like, I just lost my mind for a second, but God have mercy. You know that God spared his life. He saw David's heart, spared David's life. Because God was going to say, judgment for this is you're going to die. And David was like, "I." he was repentant. And God said, I'm going to spare your life, but the life of your son I cannot spare. God is a just God. He, he, I can't understand why he would choose to do what, but all I know is that he's a just God. After that, when his son got sick, David fasted and prayed. Even though he got a word from the prophet, David fasted and prayed and I couldn't understand. I was like, why is he doing this? He knows that God is a man of his word. That God is going to do what he said he would do. But what is interesting to me and how this all ties in with in his pursuit of God, he understood the heart of God. The only way that he could still prostrate himself before God and say, "God, I entreat you to save my child" is that he understood who God was. He knew that God was a God of mercy. And that there was a chance, if there was a chance that he could appeal to that part of God that said, I'm a merciful God and I will grant you mercy for this. He said, I'm going to do it because I know he is a merciful God. But what's interesting is is that God is also a God of his word. And he's a just God. And he can't be in conflict with himself. (laughs) So the result of what he said had to happen because God is who he is. He's just and he's good, because after his son passed, David got up, it says he, he worshipped, changed his clothes, and went back down to the service. Servants had been trying to get him to eat, and he finally started eating, and they're like, how come you were like this while your son was sick, and now he dies, and, and you're not mourning? He said, and David said, well, in this time, I was appealing to who God was, but now that this has happened, it's time to move on, and I, I know that it's a, it's a lot to grasp in a moment, but think about this. David being a man after, he was in constant pursuit of who God was, and as a result, he got to see the different facets of who God was. And because he got to see the different facets of who he was, moments in life, the hard times in life, didn't take him out. Because to God, for him, he discovered in his pursuit of God, He discovered in the pursuit of the heart of God, he discovered that God is a promise keeper. David was anointed king as a boy, but for 15 years or more did not actually become king. He's a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. He discovered that about God in his pursuit of God's heart. How could he stay faithful to God for that many years and not seeing, not seeing the fruit of it. He's like, God gave me this word. He said he anointed me king when I was a teenager. And I am now 30 years old. And I'm seeing the fruition of the word of God. He knew that God was a promise keeper. So he said, I'm going to stay the course. I am going to be faithful to this. I am going to stay just. There's a scripture in here that talks about how, how David um, behaved well. He behaved well, and this is when Saul was trying to kill him. And it says Saul noticed that he behaved well, and Saul was afraid. Because Saul knew that this this boy is coming after my job, and he's behaving well. Meaning he was a man of integrity in the middle of something. Can you imagine sitting there at the dinner table? And you're eating dinner and the person across the table tries to pin you to the wall with like a javelin. Like that's what Saul did. Like they're there having a good time and he got mad or something and picked up his spear and tried to pin David to the wall with it. This is David now. And he's like, God, are you sure you want me to be king? Like, are you sure this is the environment you want me in? But in his pursuit of God, he knew that God was a promise keeper. So he stayed the course. He discovered God to be strong. He knew that God was strong and that he was almighty. David and Goliath. When he was getting ready to fight Goliath, David was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that can stand here and mock the living God? He knew who God was. He knew it wasn't about him. In his pursuit of the heart of God, he discovered that he is serving an almighty God and that he was a faithful God. He also discovered that he's a protector. I talked about how Saul was constantly in pursuit of David, trying to kill him. David knew God's heart as a protector, so he trusted God. He knew God as a compassionate God. Because God saved his life more than once. More than once more than once, why is pursuit so important? Because it keeps our souls at peace. When your soul, your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, when your mind is constantly running with things. We all know what it's like when you're trying to go to sleep. I don't know, some people can, my husband can fall asleep pretty fast. But for me, it takes me a minute to get all that stuff that's running through my mind, to stop running through my mind. Sometimes I have to just tell my mind, be quiet, <laughs> be quiet. I have to like literally stop thinking for me to just, to just be at peace. That's your mind, sometimes your mind will make you crazy if it's not submitted to the spirit and to the will of God. Your will, that's your your intentions, your motive, your, your purpose, your purpose. Your your, your meaning for doing things. If that is not in pursuit, if your spirit is not in pursuit, sometimes your intentions get a little skewed. Like why are you really doing this? Are you doing this for public acknowledgement? Are you doing this um, um, to make yourself feel better? Are you doing this because you're choosing to be obedient? to what God has asked you to do. Saul didn't lose the kingdom because he was a bad king. He lost his kingdom because he was disobedient. Obedience, in that same scripture, talks about how obedience is better than sacrifice. It's not about the sacrifice. And I shared this with the worship team this morning. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about all the things that you can do for God. It's not about all the things that I'm good at and I'm just going to sacrifice my time, sacrifice my gifting. It's about obedience. Saul tried to offer a sacrifice born from his disobedience. And God was like, I don't want it. All I wanted you to do was obey the word I gave you. That is all I wanted you to do. And Saul was so deceived that he thought he could take the word of God, take a piece of the word of God, and then deceived himself into thinking that he actually obeyed the word of God and then said, oh, I'm going to bring you a sacrifice (laughs) from this tainted tainted, um, stuff. And God was like, no, no, no. Because of your disobedience, your kingdom has been torn from you. Rebellion, and that is a form of rebellion, taking something that God says and, and twisting it for your own purpose to make yourself feel better and being disobedient in the end. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. That's what it is, that's rebellion. It's when you're not obedient to the word of God and then you're deceived into thinking that you actually did the word of God. That's like twisted up in your head. That doesn't even make any sense. Like you can read the story and you can be like, no, Saul more than once said, oh, I obeyed the voice of God, I obeyed his word. And Samuel's like, it says in here, I'm sure Samuel really said, shut up. But in here it says, he said, be quiet. And listen to what I have to tell you. God said this. (laughs) What you did is not what God said. I can only imagine what that conversation was like. Because it says that Samuel was grieved in his heart. He was grieved because he actually was part of installing Saul as the first king of Israel. And Saul was so caught up in his deception that he couldn't see that what he was offering to God was tainted, and God said, I don't want your sacrifice, I want your obedience, and here comes David, now a man after God's own heart, meaning that not just was he after his heart, he understood the importance of obedience, because it says there in that same scripture that I'm gonna take this from Saul and I have a man, David, a man after my own heart who does my will who obeys my commands. It's about obedience. It's about in your pursuit of God, you discover his heart and you know who he is, the different facets of who he is. And as you discover the fullness of who he is, as you obey what he's asking you to do as you obey the things that he lays before you, the things he puts in your heart, the things he puts in your spirit, you then start to see the fruit of God in your life. You start to see the fruit of that obedience in your life. The music of your soul starts to be a reflection of your pursuit of the heart of God. In your pursuit of his heart comes strength of spirit because in your pursuit, just like David, there's a revelation of the heart of God. So even in the New Testament now, fast forward however many years, and Jesus is here now, and I believe that's why Jesus got so upset with the with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because he's saying, if you read and understood the scriptures, you would have seen God, his mercy, even then. Even then. You would see his grace even then. You would see him stepping outside of the law to touch somebody even then. When you think about Rahab, she was not an Israelite. She should not have been saved at the battle of Jericho, but God stepped outside of his promise for his people for a moment to save that one. That was in the Old Testament, and now we're in the New Testament, and Jesus is saying, if you actually read my scriptures, you would see that I am the fulfillment of everything that was outlined here in the Old Testament. Like the the magnitude of of how the, the Bible is laid out and how David is a picture of Jesus. Like even how Jonathan, Saul's son, Mephibosheth, it's funny to hear Nico try and say Mephibosheth. Nico's five and he tries to say these big words. It's actually really cute. But um, David, just like Jesus would have, Mephibosheth was on the outskirts after Saul lost the kingdom. Saul and his sons were all killed in one day in a battle. And that's the same day that David became king of Judah. Not all of his sons, there was one son that, that lived because he became king of Israel. But then David became king of Judah didn't become king of Israel until a few years later, where then he ruled over all of the Israelites. But um, David actually sought out Jonathan's son, was Saul's grandson, and said, how can I honor him? How can I find someone who is an outcast and bring them to the king's table? Is that not a picture of Jesus? Is that not what Jesus did? He would go outside of what was comfortable and seek that one person that needed to sit at the king's table. There was Zacchaeus. There's a woman at the well. There's a Syrophoenician woman. She's one of, that's one of my favorite stories because she actually grabbed a hold of something that wasn't even yet hers, that wasn't hers yet she got a healing for her child. And Jesus was like, I'm not here for you, I'm here for the Jews. And she said, but even, even the dogs get crumbs that fall from the table. And as a result, she got healing for her child. There is God again, stepping outside of time to be who he really is. Who he really is, it's not hidden, it's not muted, it's not hiding. God is the same God he was in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today. He is the same God. So even David, in his pursuit of God, pursuit of the heart of God, in his pursuit after the heart of God, he got to see the fullness of who God was. So even in the hard times, when he fell, when he was at his lowest When his house was against him, his son was literally conspiring against him to take his throne from him. David still experienced and pursued the heart of God and saw that God is a merciful God, saw that God is a good God. What God said he would do, God is a promise keeper. So, what he said he would do, he's going to do. So, the fact that he promised me this throne, it's not going to be taken away by someone who's trying to usurp the throne. He knew who God was only because he was in constant pursuit of the heart of God. How do I make beautiful soul music? I continually pursue the heart of God because in my pursuit of the heart of God, I have a revelation of who he is. In that revelation, it changes who I am and then I become more like Jesus who is the actual living flesh of God who came to earth. He is the manifestation of who God is on earth, and he lives inside of us. So even in, in those hard times, and even in the great times, like David was having too great a time when he was looking at Bathsheba. like <laughs> He needed to reel that in a little bit. But even in that moment, he knew who God was. He never lost sight of who God was. And I believe, I believe that it was his pursuit that made him a man after God's heart. That it was more than just him fashioning his life. He did that too. And I believe that him fashioning his life after who God was came as a result of his pursuit of who God is. That's why he was able to see the fullness of things. That's why, that's why he was able to access who God was and see the miraculous take place in his life as king. And that's why even in our pursuit of God that we can see the manifest, the actual real life manifest presence and expression of who God is in us and through us because of our pursuit. The only way you can start experiencing the fullness of who God is is if you know who he is. If you don't know who he is, how can you know what to expect from him? Like, how can you, how can you even pursue him for what you think he is if you don't know who he is? Do you, does that make sense? Like, who is God? Who is he to you? Are you pursuing him so you can know him? Are you pursuing him so you can have a revelation of who he is? And by revelation, I mean an understanding. Here we go. In your mind, in your will, and in your emotions. In your soul. Because your spirit is new and your soul is being renewed. So in your pursuit of God, we're talking about the pursuit and things that will, beautiful things that will come out of your soul. In your pursuit of God... Are you seeing who he is? Are you understanding who he is? Is there a revelation of who he is? When I talk about the faithfulness of God, to me that is one of my favorite attributes about God. That's for me, that's on my journey. I have seen him show up for me In some of the hardest moments of my life, I have seen him. There is nobody on this earth who can tell me that God is not faithful. And that only came from revelation in my pursuit of him. I would have never known him as faithful if in that hard moment, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to tough this thing out. I'm just going to pull up my my big girl pants and just try and, and make it. I had to get on my face before God and said, I believe this is who you are, I believe you, so please be who you said you would be right now. That is the only way that you come to know him and to know his character. Gabby was talking about offering and giving, and and she gave a really good teach on tithe and offering. That was really good, Gabby. And how do I know God as my provider? Until a moment comes and I'm like, I need Jesus to provide, like, now. I know he's a provider. Nobody can tell me that God doesn't provide because I have seen it in my pursuit of him, I have seen him show up as a provider. When I didn't know where money was coming from, I was like, I'm just going to keep tithing and hope that something's going to happen. <laughs> but just like he was a promise keeper for David, he was, he's a promise keeper for me. His word says that when I put him first, that he will provide. That if I give him what is his, all these things will be added unto me. When I pursue him, all these things are provided for, even in this, um, in this next season of our lives. Like, specifically for me and my husband, there's this new season we're entering into. There are elements that we're like, we just have to trust God in this because... <laughs> We just don't know what's gonna happen. That's life on a journey with Jesus. You just never know how some things will turn out. But we have to put our faith and trust in him. I believe it with everything in me. You don't have to believe it, I believe it. But I challenge you in your pursuit of him, that you pursue him for everything he is. Everything he is, because he is everything. (laughs) So he will be everything (laughs) that you need him to be. There is nobody who can tell me that God isn't a miracle worker. I have seen miracles. I've seen people get healed in the presence of God. So that means I can pray and believe that you will be healed, because I know God as a healer. Does it mean that in this situation, I didn't see him, I have an uncle who passed away and we're, we were all believers, like we're all like, let's go raise him from the dead, <laughs> let's go. But then of course you have family and, and people who were like, it was time to let him go, it was time to release, I was ready, are we like throwing oil on him and we're gonna go and pray and like raise him from the dead? Like we were all ready to do this. But for them, they wanted. They were like, we're ready to release him to go. But it doesn't mean that even in that situation, that happened. But it doesn't change who God is. His character never changes. Situations may look different from here to here to here to here. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to still pray and believe that he can heal you. Because he's a God who heals. I've seen him do it. In your pursuit of God now. I'm not just talking generally, I'm talking about you. In your pursuit of God, are you expecting him to be a promise keeper? Are you expecting him to be a healer? Are you expecting him to be a deliverer? Are you expecting him to be faithful? Are you expecting him to show up when he says he was? Are you, are you, are you expecting him Are you expecting him to be who he said he would be in your life? Is your pursuit of him all pursuit? Are you all in? Or are you halfway there like Saul? Where you're like, oh, I'm gonna pursue God this far because this part makes sense and this part doesn't. So let me do the part that makes sense and then hope that all of this works out. It's not a half pursuit here. It's either you're all in or you're not. God is an all-in God. And I'm not talking about, if, if you're not quite there yet, that's okay. Don't, don't take this as judgment. <laughs> this is not judgment. This is a challenge. The Holy Spirit will deal with you as he needs to deal with you in your heart, where you are in your journey. But wherever you are in your journey, I challenge you to be all in, because it's only when you're all in will you see all of him. That is, that is when you're gonna see him at his full. When you are all in, God will be like, she's all in. I'm gonna show her all of who I am and can be for her. But if you're only part way in, you will only see part way of who he is. And I'm not saying that he won't show up and do the miraculous, because he does. You can never put God in a box. He will do what he will do. But make sure your expectations are realistic based on your pursuit. It's like, I can't expect to see um, healthy, growing children if I'm not feeding them, if I'm not um, providing for them, if I'm not caring for them. They're not going to grow and they're not going to be healthy. I have to be all in as a parent if I want to see all of what I'm putting in actually manifest in their lives. If I want to see some fruit in my life of something, I need to be all in. And this can speak of dreams. It can speak of, of um, your job. If you're only going to work and you're only putting in, like, half of your effort, why would you expect God to bless half of your effort? Like... He gave you the job. He gave you some provision, and you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm just gonna go in and just kind of do like a halfway job today. I'm not gonna talk to anybody. I'm not gonna be the light of Christ today, cause I just don't feel like it." We don't get to turn it off and turn it on. This is not like, <laughs> this is not like, let me turn off Jesus. Let me put a dimmer switch on Jesus today, and then tomorrow I'm gonna turn him up bright and shine bright like I'm supposed to shine. No, Jesus does not dim in your life. He is and will always be the brightest thing inside of you. But you have, to, you have to be the expression, the full expression of who he is. He has to be fully expressed in you and through you. And the only way that can happen is when you're in pursuit of him, all in. In pursuit of him, all in. A soul at peace creates beautiful music. My soul is never satisfied outside of my cry being answered by the one and only living God. In the day when I cry out, this is Psalms 133. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul what is the cry of your heart? What is the cry of your heart? Where is your pursuit? What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you? Psalms 84 too, it says my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. What is your soul crying out for? What is your soul crying out for? Where is your pursuit of the living God? And in your pursuit of, your, of the living God, are you seeing him for who he is? Who he wants to be, who he's always been, and who he will continue to be. Let him be God. Let him show you who he is. Let him be mighty in your life. Don't limit him because you're too lazy to pursue him. Like, I can't boastfully talk about my God if I don't know who he is because people can see through, see through you if you're not being real. Like, they're, they're gonna be like, how do you know? What makes what you're saying to you? Why should I believe you? I want my life, my bodily expression of my soul and my spirit to be the realness of who God is. Sometimes that is all people are going to get. It's the realness of who God is in your soul and in your spirit. It is the revelation of who he is to you, which will then become revelation to somebody else because it's so real to you that you can't not tell somebody about it. I can't tell you how good God has been to me. I can't tell you how much he's done for me. We would be here forever. But that's how good he is. I know him as good because I've pursued him and I've wanted to see. I was like, God, show me how good you are. Show me. I wanna see it for myself. I don't wanna just hear about it from so and so. I wanna know you as a good God. I wanna know you as my father. I wanna know you as the God who will set me free. I wanna know you as deliverer. I wanna know you as a God who is faithful to me every day even when I'm not faithful. He says he will remain faithful because that is who he is. That is what it says in Timothy. He can't not be faithful. That is who he is. I wanna know what love is, God. And in my pursuit of him, I will discover that because he is a God of love. He is love. He is the personification of love. So in my pursuit of him, I see him for who he is. And then it becomes a revelation to me. And then I can't shut up about it. God loves me. He loves you. You don't believe me? I promise you. He loves you. Pursue him. Ask him yourself. And he'll show you how much he loves you like my kids I can model for them all I want I can show them I can teach them I can tell them but until they learn to pursue God on their own they need to have their own personal revelation of who God is for now I am the model I am the teacher but one day I want them to know so even when we pray when someone's sick like Nico has a little bit of a cough and we're like we're gonna pray God heals God will make it better. Jesus will make it better. In the name of Jesus, this is how we pray. So you can be healed. And then when they see it, it's not so hard for them to do it the next time. Because then they're like, oh yeah, God, he, we're like, didn't he do it for you before? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, come on. Now you're understanding who God is because I'm teaching them to pursue him this way. This is how You do this. This is how you see him in this way. You pursue him. You first take him at his word, and then you pursue him and see him do it. You experience it, and then you get to share it with someone else so then they can experience it. But it only comes from your pursuit. That beautiful music of your soul only will come out in your pursuit of God and who he is. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.